Good morning, church. Whether you're here or you're joining us online, welcome. Thank you, Tyler and Dr. Logan. Really appreciate that. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, may your Holy Spirit, through the Word, speak to our hearts today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, it's been about two months now. We were in the backyard one Sabbath afternoon munching on lunch. My sister-in-law, my wife's twin, stopped, looked around. She said, do you hear a kitty? And Teresa said, yeah, I hear a kitty. Well, they got up to investigate. And in the back side of our house, we have these deep window wells. Down inside one of them was a little tiger kitty about that long plus tail. And he was squalling. Meow! Get me out of here! Meow! <laughs> so we fished him out, and he became Franklin, a member of our family. Well, a couple of weeks after that, we were back in the backyard again. He was kind of hanging out with us. When some neighborhood kids had learned that we had a kitten... And they decided to come and play. When they came around the corner of the house, Franklin spotted them coming. You know what happened? He shot across the yard and dove under the shed. I think he was looking to protect himself or something. Well, a few minutes later, they were playing with him. And I said, how'd you get him out? They enticed him with food. Well... Let me ask you, have you ever wished you had a shed to dive under? Like right now, for instance. Do you remember when you started hearing all those news reports about COVID-19? Oh, my. After just so many of them, I said to myself, John, you know what? You're going to get nailed. It's not weather. It's when. Well, it hasn't been when yet. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But a lot of people have been nailed by COVID-19. Berrien County alone, yesterday's statistics, today's are going to be more, 6,332 cases of COVID, and so far 107 deaths in this county attributed to it. However, a little brighter, 2,420 people have recovered. Whoa. Now, in addition to that, is a huge number of medical people that are just about wiped out with exhaustion. And if that's one of you, thank you for what you're doing. Now, COVID-19 is very like the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. One third of the world's population were infected and somewhere between 20 and 50 million people died. However, there were 675,000 Americans that were impacted and died. Wow. You ever wished you had a shed to dive under? Now, what they don't tell us is what it left behind. I grew up with my paternal grandmother. Loved her. She was deaf. And it was years before I discovered that not only she was deaf, 
But my great-uncle Wallace and my great-aunt Alice, all three were deaf. All three had gotten in. And my fourth, my great-aunt May, was left with asthma so bad. I, when we were at the house, I listened. I think, is she going to die? I thought, any moment she's going to keel over. Um, what do you do for a shed for COVID? Well, what do they tell us? Mask up, keep your distance, don't hug, use your elbow instead. By the way, I'm still a hugger in spite of that. <laughs> and don't sing in church of all places. What do you do here? It's supposed to hum. And if you've been exposed, self-quarantine at home and stay out of bars and nightclubs. Okay? So... <laughs> Listen, that may or may not work, but I have a shed, let's put it in quotes, I have a shed for you today that works every time. Would you turn your attention to Proverbs, I mean, pardon me, Psalm 91. You may not have a Bible, but get it on your your phone app, all right? Psalm 91. Now, if you look at it, there is no author mentioned, right? Well, Jewish thinking was, if there's no name, it was the fellow who wrote the psalm before it. He was the one. And in this case, Psalm 90, who wrote that? Moses. So Moses was the author of Psalm 91. As you read through it, 16 verses, it's all about God. Well, if anybody was equipped and qualified to talk about God, it was Moses. Remember down in Egypt, the plagues, the miracle of the exodus, all the incredible things that happened in the wilderness? If anybody would know God, Moses would. So we're going to take a look at this, all right, from the viewpoint of what it's telling us, not about COVID or Spanish flu or even the bubonic plague. It's going to tell us about him. Now, as we start, ask yourself the question, what is this telling us about him? Verse 1 and verse 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, how many names are here? There are four. The most familiar. Actually, there are something like a thousand names for God through the scriptures. But these four are the ones we're the most familiar with. What do they tell us about God? Well, the first one, most high, is from the Hebrew, Elyon. And Elyon was the strong, supreme victor, the conqueror. When Abram came back with the Sodomites from delivering them, Melchizedek came out and told him, Praise be to God, Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. A strong deliverer. The next was the Almighty. That is from the Hebrew Shaddai. And the background of Shaddai is a picture of a female goat, 
feeding her young with two teeth. She had plenty of milk for her little ones. And Shaddai is the mighty, the, the mighty, what's the term I want? The many-breasted one who has more than enough milk for all his young. Beautiful figure. See, today you can go buy formula or something at the store if you need it. But back, way back in an earlier time, if a mother had a child, she had to feed it. And it was important that she would have enough. All right, the third name for God is Lord. The Hebrew behind that is Yahweh or Jehovah. Do you remember Genesis 2? He's there. What is he doing? Well, he goes beside a river bank, kneels down and digs out a bunch of clay. Remember what he did with it? He, you know, Genesis 1, what is, what is God doing? Let there be. There is. But in Genesis 2, the Lord is forming with his personal touch a, an exquisitely formed man. And then he bends over when he's done and kisses life into it. And we have Adam. God wants a relationship with us so much. It is his very name. In Hebrews chapter 2, I and he, behold, I and the children God has given me. Did you realize God wanted a relationship with you that much? It's his very name. That is Yahweh or Jehovah, the unchanging, personally relating, self-existent one. And then back to chapter verse 2, God. That name applies in, appears in Scripture over 2,600 times. It comes from the Hebrew Elohim. Elohim, the supreme, mighty one who speaks, and there it is. Let there be, and pew, it is. And he is the one who stands by his children, no matter how red-necked and stiff-necked and rebellious they may be, he still is their God. Now, with these four names, four among a thousand, do you think God can protect and deliver you? You think he would be a good shed to dive under? I think so. Notice all that he says he is to us, the first four verses, all right? First, verse one, shelter. And if you are in his shadow, you have rest. How close do you have to be to somebody to be in their shadow? Really close. And when you're close to God, there is a rest of heart you'll find nowhere else. Continuing, verse 2, our refuge, our fortress, the God in whom we can trust. He is trustworthy. And then, verse 3, he saves us from all kinds of things that could destroy us. So he's your savior. Verse 4, he is our covering and our shield and rampart. 
That word rampart we don't use very often. But he's all of this to us. And what does he shelter us from? Verse 5 and verse 6. The terror of night, the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, and the plague that destroys at midday. Wow. Again, do you think God can protect you? If you went to him for shelter, do you think he would? Verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will trust. Let me ask you something. I didn't think God had wings. Does he? Feathers? Angels maybe, but not God. You ever been to a baseball game? And you may have heard, if you were, you may have heard somebody screaming at the pitcher, wing it in, wing it in. What is they saying? What is a pitcher's wing? His pitching arm. His pitching arm. And so what God is saying here in the words of Moses, he's talking about his arms. Years ago, the Review and Herald published under the auspices of the General Conference a little book, not very big, that was designed to introduce people to Seventh-day Adventists. And on the cover was a picture of this little girl, little tyke, with a kind of an impish smirk on her face. And she's standing next to a big bruiser of a guy whose arms are wrapped around her. And that smirk on her face is saying, you just go ahead and try to get me. I dare you. God is saying, I want to put my arms around you. Doesn't love feel good? It really, really does. It's like the song that we're going to hear in a bit. Under his wings, I'm safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests abound, nothing can harm me. I'm under his wings. Psalm 91, if you notice, there are actually two verses. The first one is verse 1, he who, what? Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, this is the NIV I'm using. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. This is written about the person who is next to God in his arms. He's already there. And all the things God will do for him, that's section one. However, even though it sounds like the pestilence, the plague, it sounds like the perfect shed for COVID-19. Well, maybe, but... That is no ironclad guarantee that it won't happen to us. And there's a couple of reasons that I, I picked out of this that told me that. Number one, verse 8. You will only observe with your eyes and see what? The punishment of the wicked. Through Ezekiel, God, let's get the, the text here. Ezekiel 14, 21. 
This is what the Sovereign Lord says. How much worse will it be when I send against Jerusalem my four dreadful judgments? Sword, famine, wild animals, and plague. These are all God's judgments. Now, if you were one who's standing right next to God in his arms, I don't think you need to worry very much about judgments from him. But if you're not close to him, you may need to think twice. However, if you are, this again, it's no guarantee trouble won't come. Because if you look back in, in verse 15, I will be with him in trouble. You know, our Father in Heaven knows our life before it ever comes to us. And he knows the things that will be happening. And he can see trouble looming. And he says, I'll be with you through that. The 23rd Psalm, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow, we need fear, no evil, because he's with us. And he even brought his rod and staff, too. So, God's judgments. Now, by the way, the second section, beginning of verse 9... This is written to the person who's not close to the Lord. He's a long way away. And it's an if-then. Verse 9 begins with if. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Let me ask, you ever stayed in a tent? What would it take to blow the thing away? Not a whole lot, right? So if then, if you would make the Most High your dwelling, then you don't have to worry about harm and danger, do you? No, I think that's incredible. Now, if you skip down along toward the last couple of verses, Verse 14, 15, and even 16. God's saying, this is an enticement, maybe not a food, like with Franklin, but it is an invitation. Here's what he says. I will rescue him. I will protect him. I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Wow. And then verse 16, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's a lot of I wills, isn't it? God's going to do for everyone who makes him their shed. Now, this reminds me, when you have all of these I wills in one place, there's another place in Scripture where you have I wills, and that's in Isaiah 14. Only it's not talking about God. The one speaking there says, I will ascend above the heavens. I will put my throne above the stars. I will make myself like the Most High. Who's that? That is Satan. And there's a contrast who is Satan all about? 
dear little old self. Emilio Canekli once said in a presentation, some people wake up and look in the mirror and say, oh, my dear ego, what may I do for you today? But these I wills are focused on who? The one who makes the most high his shed. The one they come to, pro- to be under for his protection, his arms. That is quite a difference, isn't it? Now, now look at something here. Verse 11. He will command his angels concerning you. Now, is a command a wishful thought? No, it's not. It's a command from God to the angels to guard us in all our ways, to protect us. Now, have you heard about a coming time of trouble? Yeah. You're going to have to flee from the mount, flee to the mountains, leave the cities and the hills, go off in a desolate place. Uh, how are you going to get there? Where are you going to go to? How will you take care of yourself when you get there? Do you remember the story of Lot leading Sodom? He's just back and forth. Oh, there are two angels in that house with he and his family. And finally, one of the angels grabbed Lot by the hand, his wife by the hand, and started for the door. And the other angel grabbed one daughter and the other daughter and dragged them along. The angels took Lot and his family out of Sodom. You know what? They'll do it again. You don't need to fear. Instead of worrying about it and trying to get a place in the wilderness somewhere, develop your relationship with those wings. They'll take care. And the angels with wings will come and do it again for you. Now, where am I here? There's there's a text here, verses 11 and 12, he will command his angels to guard you. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Who quoted that? The devil. Who did he quote it to? Jesus. Jesus came back with a response from Deuteronomy 6 and stopped him cold. Well, it's interesting. You notice what it says? You will tread, verse 13, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent. Who's the lion represent? Jesus, of course, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when you put the serpent with it, who do they together represent? The devil. Because he's like a roaring lion and he's also that serpent that was in the tree. In case you wonder, that's what Revelation says for sure. In other words, you are going to stomp on the devil. He can get you. You can get him. And you can say amen to that if you want. 
Can you imagine walking on lions and serpents? Incredible, incredible. Um, Verse 16, we're going to come back to 15 in a minute, but verse 16, I will, it ends, I will show him my salvation. Isaiah was a prophet and he had prophetic vision. He could see what was coming in the future. And he saw Israel being attacked and overcome by the Assyrian armies and it troubled him. And in chapter 64, the first verse, he says, out of anguish of his heart, he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. In other words, show your stuff, God. Guess what this is saying? I will show him my salvation. He's going to show us his stuff. And when God goes into action, look out universe. Not just world, look out universe. He is going to show us his stuff. Well, let's go back one verse to verse 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Have you ever called on God? When I was pastoring up at Cedar Lake, it's now Great Lakes. Anyhow, I had two students come to me one springer-ish day. It was at the end of the winter and they said, Pastor, we need your help with something. I said, what's trouble? Well, a bunch of us want to go to Cedar Point and the school will let us use the bus, but we got to have a driver with a CDL. And we can't find anybody who's got one that can do it. Would you please? CDL, commercial driver's license. I said, I don't have one. Well, couldn't you get one for us? Uh, so I spent the next week working on that. We left 3.30 Sunday morning, June 7. I don't remember the year. And, of course, everybody but me promptly went to sleep. Well, about five miles before our exit down by Sandusky, Ohio, there's a rest area. And one of the kids woke up about that point and saw it coming and said, Oh, Pastor, please stop. i got to go. I pulled over and stopped, and everybody had to go. It was a good stop. As I was coming out of the facility, it sounded like a bam shotgun going off. I looked around. My first concern, I was responsible for these students. My first concern was their safety. I didn't see a gun anywhere, and I walked around the bus. It was fine. We loaded up. But by the time I pulled into the parking space, I almost couldn't steer that thing. Uh, Something's wrong. And I got off the bus, and the right front tire is one side only, but flat as a pancake. And I said, oh, oh, no problem, we'll put the spare on. That bus didn't come with a spare. Furthermore, it had split rims, and they're dangerous to mess with. They, they put them back together inside these great big pipes. In case the, the split rim comes off, it'll hit them and not take your head off. Well, anyhow, as I was checking the group in, Phil, my chaperone, was was standing there, and we were talking about the problem. What are we going to do? And Phil suggested, well, Pastor, give it till about 9.30 or 10 or so, and then 
make a call, and this is on the interstate. Why, there's got to be truck places. You can get somebody to come and change tire for you. I said, okay. So about quarter to 10 to 10, I went over. This is before cell phones. I went over and made a call, and the operator answered, and I said, I've got a problem, and I explained it to her, and I said, I need you to get somebody who can come and fix the tire on this bus. Very good, sir. We'll stand by. We'll start calling. Four hours later, she came back. I'm just roasting in the sun, but she comes back, and I'm getting desperate. I've got to get those kids home. And what do you do with three tires on a bus? She said, sir, I've tried every place there is. No one answers. It's got to be graduation Sunday. I don't know what you're going to do, but we can't help you. Sorry. Goodbye. And I'm looking at that receiver in my hand, and my eyes teared up at that point. I was so anxious and so desperate. How do I get these kids? And I finally hung that thing. I was a wonder I didn't break it. And I looked up in the sky. It was a gorgeous day, but I couldn't see it. My eyes were so full of tears. And with the same frustration Isaiah said, I wish you'd show your stuff. I said, God, I've tried everything. I can't get these kids home. I can't do it. If you want them home, you get them there. And I walked away from the phone. Well, about 15 20 minutes later, one of the kids came running up to me. Pastor, pastor, they want you in the bus. They got a wrecker. I said, no, you got to be kidding. And I hustled over to the wrecker. And on the door, sure enough, big thing. On the door, it said Cedar Point, the amazement park. And I was one amazed person. They hooked up. I got in the, the cab and rode with them to the other end of the park. A state-of-the-art maintenance facility, immaculate. You could eat it off the floor. And I watched while this fella took the tire off, broke it down the rim, changed the tube, put it back together, and put it on the bus. And then with a smile, he turned to me and says, you're good to go. And, and while I'm watching, I'm in anxious. I, I'm very anxious about something else. How do I pay for this? I really didn't have much money. And I said, how much? He said, no charge. No charge? Compliments to the park. We're glad you came. Have a good drive home. Oh, by the way, there's something you didn't know I should tell you. I said, what's that? This morning, when you were checking your group in, my boss and I were on the other side of the window, and we heard everything you said. I said, really? He said, yeah. And the boss turned to me and he said, if they haven't got it fixed when they need to go, you fix it. No charge. And I tried to get on the bus and I stumbled on the stairs because I couldn't see my eyes were full of tears. Of a text that I'll never forget. From Isaiah chapter 65 
and verse 24. Once more, Isaiah 65, verse 24. Before they call, I will hear. While they are speaking, I will answer. People, God keeps his promises. He delights in being our shelter, our protection, in putting his wings around us. Because on top of all the things that he says he does in Moses' psalm, there's one more thing. He gets the children home. Would you let him put his wings around you? Again, love feels so good. Online, if you check in, there's a connect box with three places to check. The first one, I want God to put his wings around me. If you do, check that. The second one, I thank God for his promises of what he will do for me. If you're that thankful, check it. And the third one, I'm interested in being baptized. Would you send me the information? And you give us your email, and we'll see that you get your information. One more time. Won't you let him put his wings around you?